if any of you out there are 20 year olds thinking about getting married, I encourage you to wait until you're 24 and decide if you're still into it. And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 10, a very special episode. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite albums or playlists to listen to each week, and I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my good friend... Matt Runquist. Hey, on this episode of the podcast... We're going to be talking about the album A Transatlanticism from Death Cab for Cutie and the movie The Revenant. Which, interesting, as our special episode, neither of us have neither seen of us to, have before seen. this. Yeah, I appreciate listen to the album. I appreciate that you gave the original uh, intro, uh, so the so as not to confuse the people. But yeah, we. Uh, what did, I, what did I do different? What have I been doing differently? No, you didn't. You de- you gave the oh. you gave like the intro as if I gave one of my favorite albums rather than an album that I've never heard before because I have never heard the Death Cab for Cutie album. Oh, you know what? You're, you're right. I actually did that but wrong. No, no, uh, that's yeah, the, great. I love that because well, that is our that is our scripted intro yeah. for the show, and yeah. uh, and you're right. There is a significant difference between our normal format and today's yes. VS. BSE, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I had never seen The Revenant nor heard the album Transatlanticism. It's supposed to be Death Cab for Cutie's best album, but I never really? knew. That's what people say. That I and I have not either uh, uh, either of them anyway, either. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's funny because The Revenant has been on my like must watch list for a while because it was so. Uh, critically acclaimed when it came out, um, it uh, I think uh, it won Oscars for best directing and best acting by, from Leonardo DiCaprio um, and cinematography. But there was a interesting like debate at the time about whether this was the movie that that Leonardo DiCaprio should have won for. Oh yeah, and um, you know they always have those debates, but honestly, there's no sure. way to. You can't go back in time and be like, actually, what's eating Gilbert Grape, right? Like, exactly. you know, and so yes. you 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 deal with what's in front of you. And, and, you know, we like to think that somehow there's some balance in the universe, but ultimately there, mm-hmm. you know, there is no justice in this world, right? Sometimes three well, people give great performances and only one award gets given. And sometimes... Yeah. You know, sometimes there's not really anything that's worthy of a best actor, but you still got to give one. So, well, and, and and some could say that the justice is in the fact that uh, he he did win finally, and and there is an idea that you know sometimes they're giving out the award for a body of work rather than just one thing, which is fine. Ultimately, it's a bunch of people; it's humans voting for humans. So. Um, there is no it's all it's all and nobody has to uh, just subjective it's all subjective but nobody has to justify their vote all you know people want to read into why this person or that person voted uh you know Mm -hmm. a particular way but ultimately we never know why somebody wins right we just we just get the result so i was just gonna say matt objectively subjectively how was your week oh subjectively how was my week it was a pretty quiet week here, uh, which uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday, 
Uh, neither of us celebrates. Oh, we are recording this on the Superb Owl Day. Yeah. yeah. I have no idea who's even playing uh, this game. I actually know because I have friends that are fans of both teams. So it is the Kansas City Chiefs and, okay. the, and the Phil- Bills? Philadelphia no. Eagles. No, the Bills did that thing they always do where they seem like they're going to be good and then uh, and then do poorly. Again, a friend is a fan. And so uh, <laughs> so I know things about football teams that I have no interest in. The Chiefs and the Eagles. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That seems like an interesting matchup. I think. I mean, just from the names. Yeah. <laughs> not I, knowing anything about the teams. I think the thing that uh, many people have keyed on is that the head coach of the Chiefs was previously the head coach of the Eagles and sort of turned that franchise oh, around. Oh, there's a little drama. So there's a, a little, little drama, drama there. Coach I'm, drama there. Yeah. Anyways, I'm a fan of drama. So you this don't, could be a movie. Someday. You don't listen to this podcast to get football news, which is good. I know I don't, I, <laughs> but you, otherwise, so your so your week was slow and uh, and not spent gearing up for the uh, Super Bowl. No, no, uh, I you know okay. I wrote a song like I do every week. I worked nice. Uh, work was pretty intense this week actually, uh, and so yeah, that's that's kind of it for me. What did you do, Travis? I did see you had an interesting prompt on uh, on Facebook that you were looking for, and as we've oh, talked yeah. about on the podcast, things that we've learned uh, as a society yeah. since you and I were learning things. Yeah, you know. Yeah, next full time. Next week, I was supposed to talk about space, and the thing that popped into my head was, "Hey, Pluto's not a planet anymore." And when we were kids, we mm-hmm. thought Pluto was a planet, and so I started sort of riffing on this idea of like. We learn things, and it's good to be open to learning. I think this is something we've touched yeah. on a little bit, and changing like, your preconceived notions, changing your notions when you know when you're given evidence to the contrary. And and so I was just asking people on Facebook for examples. Uh, the other big example that I have is, of course, that when we were kids, dinosaurs were lizards. That's what we thought. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out yeah. that birds are dinosaurs, which are, and birds are definitely not lizards. So, yeah. Uh, and, and, and I it's totally, totally accepted, that's... right? Like nobody, there's no questioning of that. Like everybody's just like, yeah, birds are dinosaurs. But it was a, it, there was a vigorous debate for a while. It, it lasted a good 10 or 20 years from the time. Yeah, but that's, you know. that's nothing in the grand scheme of things, right? Oh, no, no, absolutely. I think one of the big ones I gave you that is a very, uh, very suitable for that particular discussion is the idea that animals are tool users. Right. Because it was one of the big things that set humans apart from animals was that, oh, well, humans use tools and humans, you know, yeah. there's so many things that humans do that animals don't. Yeah. Uh, and I think that a lot of those are falling by the wayside. Like, yeah. you know, humans experience emotion. And, and well, I, mm-hmm. I think I, as a dog owner and you too, I think, you know, it's clear we know that that's patently false. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, I had a busy week. I uh, I started on Monday very early in the we had an early call time and I have an early one tomorrow too 5:15 a.m. Oh, which is oh, a little ridiculous um but we're being preempted uh on Tuesday and Wednesday for soccer I guess on CBS so I only have 2 days worth of work this week and so one of them is going to just be long I guess and uh but last week uh I was at work and I had an early start in the day on Monday and then I usually wrap around 11 a.m. So usually I get off pretty early. And I got an email from my agent, this email that says, urgent audition. 
it's due at 2 p.m. And this was at a, it's a 10.15. I get off at 11. And I'm like, okay, I got three hours to do this thing. And it was seven pages long. It was a uh, four, page, four scenes uh, that I had to you know, familiarize myself with. And I had to find a place to shoot, a reader to read with me, and all those things. And kind of prep it so that it was decent, right? And I... Um, uh, so I did all that, and uh, so I responded to my agent. I said, hey, I see it's uh, urgent. I'll get to it as soon as I can. Um, and they called me back right away and were like, hey, we see you already replied. Just to let you know, don't kill yourself getting it in by two. You've got a little bit of leeway. So I ended up getting it in by three, and I'm really happy with it. I think it was really good. And on Tuesday, my agent called me and said, "They uh, casting loves your tape. They just want to confirm your availability for, like, five months it's for a uh, it'd be like it's for a tv show it'd be like a recurring guest star can't say what it is um but it's i mean i feel like i'll hear very soon if i got it so that's exciting by next week i'll know that's exciting news uh one way or another you can't say what it is but it's the alf reboot (laughs) (laughs) oh my god are they doing an alf reboot because i would give my left (laughs) nut I was joking. I was trying to think of something that was extremely unlikely because I didn't want to accidentally touch on the right thing. Sure. Yeah. No, it is. It is not that. But there definitely should be that. I think an Alf reboot is um, 100 percent something we need in the world. All right. Well, shall we get into it? Let's get into it, man. I am I am excited. We have about been this episode. so we have been so good about switching back and forth that there is no usual way we do this. Would you like to do music? We can just say let's switch things up a bit. Music <laughs> and or, just choose let's one. switch things up a bit and not do anything. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, would you like to do the movie, the revenant, or the album? Well, I would like to do the album first because I feel like once again I have less less to say about uh-huh. it, and I'm very curious about what you have to say. And I think, by the way, I was thinking about making a prediction. Oh, and I would be curious to see if you want to make a prediction about my tastes. Uh, but I think you're going to like the album uh-huh. and like the movie. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, that's my prediction. Uh, I think you're going to. I think you're going to like the movie. And I think you're going to be I think you're going to be approximately high level on the album. You're going to you're going to basically think this is like male Heim. That's my that's my prediction. You know, it's funny. So we're going to talk about the music first. I uh, I once again had my uh, tribulations with the YouTube music autoplay. Yeah. And so I was on my hike when I listened to it the first time through. And I it, it reached the last song and then auto-played something new. The next song it played was from the Decemberists. Well, so, uh, so YouTube Music does do this thing where it plays music that you've been listening to over and over again. And because you listen to so little music, it is going to start sprinkling in the it's old It's thinking playlists. that I really love so all these let things. Let me ask I, you that yeah. the Decemberists song that you heard, were you like, oh, actually, I dig this more? Or was it still like, yes, oh, uh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think it was maybe one of the ones I'd listened to before. I think it was just an unrelated okay. or a Decemberist song that was maybe related to okay. what we were listening to. But I did think. 
I was listening to it and I said, like, oh, wow, I'm digging this a, a more than <laughs> what I've been listening to for the last hour. Uh, it can't be the same thing. <laughs> and so I pulled out my phone and looked. I was like, oh, shoot, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll play. Well, that's fair. Okay. So All right. So do you talk about it first. Uh, Death Cab for Cutie is a band out of the Pacific Northwest. I don't know if they're Oregon or, or Washington, but honestly, it does. oh, Washington. Okay. Um, and uh, so I am a huge indie rock fan. I love a bunch of the bands that came out of the Pacific Northwest in the late 90s. But for some reason, I never got into Death Cab for Cutie. Sorry, go ahead. Ever? Okay, so not any of their stuff. But I was also going to ask you, what are the couple of the other bands that oh, kind of are? Of uh, that? So Modest Mouse, uh, Built to Spill, uh, The Decemberists, uh, you know, other other bands that people who are fans of this style of music would know uh, and consider sort of related. And uh, yeah, but I, I never, never got into this band, but in 2003, they had sort of a breakthrough album and it is still considered their best. It's called transatlanticism. And the only track off this album that I had ever heard is a song called the sound of settling, which was their uh, big single off the album. I, I thought, I kind of thought you were already a death cab for cutie fan. No, and just had this album had escaped you somehow, but you would not really experience that. No, okay. I great. I was not. Oh, I love this. Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard Death Cab is played on like indie music stations, and so there are probably three or four Death Cab songs that I've heard. You know, a dozen times, uh, but nothing. No whole albums. Never been like a fan of them. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, okay. Uh, so what do you think of this particular album? So this is a very good demonstration of the principle that we've talked about many times, which is that you need to listen to things more than once. Because when I okay. listened to this the first time, uh, I really dug the sound of settling and kind of couldn't care less about the rest of the album. Like if I had to rate it <laughs> after that first listen, I would have given it a six. I would have been like, this is okay. nice. It's pleasant. It's fine, you know, but I don't really dig it. But, you know, like we've talked about, I listened to it again and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to because this is very quiet music and mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. sort of delicate. You do you do need to kind of listen into this. If you just let this wash into the background, the album will be over before you know it. And you'll be like, oh, what did I you know, I, I missed it. Right. Um, so I did get a, a, a closer listen and I, and I enjoyed it a little more. And I, if I had, if I was rating it after listening to it a second time, I, w- I would give it a seven. Like this is, wow. this is better. This is the, I, I'm beginning to see what it is that people enjoy about this, but I'm going to tell you, Travis, I listened to the album a third time. Did you I really? Did. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I'm the music head, so it's not surprising that I would I would really go for it, especially because I wanted to, you know, it was so kind of generic the first couple of times that I listened to it. I wanted to get at, like, what is it that people are latching on to about this album and saying, oh, this is yeah. this is the best one, right? Um, and... And so I listened to it a third time, and I got to say, I really started liking it even more, you know? I would not huh. say I love this album yet, but I could see myself loving this album. Like, I will put this album on again and and try to get a little more into it. But I would say, well, okay, not to put the 
you know, not to put the cart before the horse, but now that I've listened to it a third time, I would say my rating has increased again. That's a little teaser for later. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. I, um, I, I love that. And I, I will say, I just did a little bit of a search on Metacritic and, um, it, uh, transatlanticism is their highest rated Metascore, I guess on, on that, as far as, um, I guess as far as albums go. And so, uh, so you're right about that. Um, there are a couple others that are, that are pretty up there, but, uh, yeah, it's, I listened to it twice mm-hmm. and I had the same experience. My first time was on a hike and I felt it was fairly, uh, fairly m- mediocre, I guess. Like it was fine. It was fine. And which I say that I say that a lot about things, but I think one of the things that I, if I'm going to, if I'm going to articulate a little bit deeper, I think that it was lyrics first like they they're very like poetry first and i felt like the the melodies and instrumental maybe 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 the instrumental but definitely the singing came second and wasn't all that great and um i did like that you could understand the words you know i have a thing for that i do so, i do know that but i also didn't find the lyrics particularly interesting uh, they kind of felt like, uh, I don't know, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, like, kind of. They're they're like emo. Songs. They're like emo with, like, clean guitar, which maybe doesn't mean anything to you, but so. it I get it, exactly. Yeah. Like, through, yes, I get exactly what you're saying, and yes, you're absolutely right. And I, I think, ultimately, it's not my type of music, so... I listened to it for a second time today, and I kind of sat and listened to it for a little bit while I was we had a, I had some downtime while we were rehearsing other people's sketches, and I kind of lis- was listening to it just to try to give it a more attention, mm-hmm. and and kind of came to the same conclusion. Yeah, um, it was it was fine. I definitely I think it's 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 almost a much better album to have on in the background. Mm -hmm. Like it felt very safe and, um, and, and of a mood. There's never going to be a bad mood. There's never going to be a train whistle that, that hurts your ears and takes you out of the moment. You know, this is, (laughs) thank you. Thank you. Good, good memory. Yes. Uh, yeah. And the guy's voice, although I don't think he's much of a singer is, fine he was okay he 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 he, i i didn't dislike his voice at all and it didn't hurt my ears to listen to him i don't think he's um i don't think he's a great singer i think he's probably a songwriter who also sings yeah i get the i get the sense that he is he knows his lane right and the more Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. death cab for cutie you listen to the more you hear like this sort of the same the same intervals and the same, oh, that's the high note that he can hit. And, you know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. because he he doesn't really have a whole lot of range to, like, vary his delivery a lot. You know, he's definitely one yeah. of those singer who relies on his tricks. Yeah. I will say you brought up the song, uh, you brought up the song, uh, The Sound of Settling, mm-hmm. which is a fine song. But it took until halfway through my second listen 
to realize that it wasn't the sound of celery. <laughs> because it, it, some of the lyrics are like, uh, I have a hunger twisting my stomach into knots. And I was like, okay, it's, this is about celery. <laughs> it made sense to me. And I was then looking at the uh, the song list and happened to see that it said song, sound of settling. And I was like, oh, oh. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that makes less sense now, but also more of, sense at the same time. That's that's not the sound of celery. No, um, you know, lyrically, it's a very um, it's a very restrained album, and it's it's definitely. I don't know if all of Death Cab is like this, but I suspect it. There's a lot of like, you know, restrained longing, right? There's, I, mm-hmm. you know, I did not read through the lyrics of transatlanticism, but it appeared to be about, uh, you know, a, a long distance relationship. And, you know, that, I guess, makes sense with transatlantic, uh, mm. you know, and I, you've been in long distance relationships or relationships where uh, the partner is on the other side of the world uh, for, for a, an extended period of time. And, and there is this like sort of theme of of like longing and and wishing and hoping and there are times when you just kind of want to smack this guy and be like you know get like (laughs) like be be a hero like be the character right like stop being the sidekick in your own life and like do something man (laughs) right it's like yeah it's like super it's like super emo and just like you know i i it wasn't on this playlist, but I've mentioned the song to you before. Their most popular song is a song called I Will Follow You Into the Dark. And okay. it's a gorgeous song. Beautiful, beautiful song. And it's got this really great line about uh, if heaven and hell decide uh, that, they, that they're like full and there's no vacancy – uh, I will will go together into the dark like if you and like it's all a big metaphor. But the metaphor is if you die, I will die, too. And we'll we'll go into eternity together, which is like so emo. It hurts. Right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to die when your partner dies unless you're like in a car crash together or something, right? It's going to feel like you want to die, but that's not the same thing. And like equating them, although equating them for a bunch of older people, these older couples, but but Ben Gibbard's like 40, right? Like that's not, (laughs) yes, you know, yes, you're too young to be singing. You're too young to be singing. Yeah. If this is, if this is from the perspective of a 95 year old singing to his 97 year old wife. Okay. uh, Then, then I get, get that but i i don't think that's what it is but i guess i'm just sort of referencing the idea that like all of this is like very you know it's funny right because we read carly ray jepson for being teenagery and this is sure this is also teenagery just in a different way yeah yeah no i mean i do remember those days when when life felt so deep there is a perspective we've gotten as we've gotten a little older and uh, and I think I think that perspective might be nothing matters as much as you think it does. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You're like, never everything gonna... feels like it yeah. matters so much. Yeah, you're never gonna 20. feel anything stronger than you do when you're like sixteen to twenty four. Like that's as strong as you ever feel anything in your entire life. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. Wow. And for wow. those of you who don't ma- know, I got married for the first time at the age of 20. So like right smack dab in the middle of that. Uh, if any of you out there are 20 year olds thinking about getting married, I encourage you to wait until you're 24 and decide if you're still into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know that's interesting? Uh, I, I was reading a statistic recently about that where they're saying that millennials are getting married at a later age and wet and marriages are more successful now than they have been recently. Yeah. Because. Yeah. I think I, I had read something about that too. It's funny because the, the marriage age has been getting older for a long time. Although from our perspective, that's because marriages were so, so young back in the day. Mm-hmm. Right. I know, you know, right? Like yeah. when we were growing up, there were still a ton of states that allowed marriage at the age of like fourteen with parental consent, right? And now, Oof. now that seems like insane, right? Like legitimately, yeah. like crazy, yeah. right? Well, and I don't know when your grandparents got married, but mine were married probably in their eighteen, nineteen, twenty, yeah. twenty-one range. Yeah, yeah, almost, so. almost all all the people back then were married at least the first time in that range. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, so uh, do you have a rating for uh, for this? You said so, seven is where you. Yeah. So seven where I, was where I was after the second listen. I enjoyed it significantly more on the third listen. I am going to listen to this album again and I'm going to probably be always be irritated by the content of the lyrics. Uh, but mm. I do enjoy enjoy the music quite a lot. And I'm going to give it an eight now. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Listening to it, listening uh, so, to it three times gave me like each time I listened to it, I enjoyed it more. Wow. Okay. So I think, um, hmm, my appreciation did not increase like that. Um, I think, I think if this were on, if I had a partner, for instance, who loved this album and wanted to put it on on a Sunday and just have it playing around the house, I would have no problem with that at all. I would, I would absolutely be fine with it, and um, and maybe over time learn to really appreciate it. I think, though, that this is not an album I will probably listen to again unprompted. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because you have gotten me into a music listening habit in these past couple months where the other day I wanted to take a shower or something. I had something going on or I was doing laundry in a shower. I had a bunch of adulting to do. And so I put on an album and I was like, what album? And I think I just went into my music and, and chose um, Graceland. Oh, nice. Excellent choice. And it's it's such a good album. Yeah. It's just it's just great. Every, it is one of my top five different. albums. The lyrics are interesting. The music is great. Yeah. And I think, though, that that sets a bar yeah. that this album doesn't reach. And so I am going to give this I, – I don't know. I don't remember what I gave Haim, but uh, I'm going to put this right in the middle of the road and give it a five. Yeah, yeah you also gave Haim a five. Yep. Yeah, not surprising. I think I, I, think I liked this better than Haim. Yeah. Uh, because a special, well, so maybe I should give this a six. Hmm. No, no, I think a five. I think in retrospect, I might have rated Heim a four if given the opportunity again, because there was stuff I disliked about listening to that album. This has nothing I disliked. Yeah. I want to say that. Okay. But just nothing I really loved. Sure. I I think a five is 
I, I I'll be honest. I think a five is exactly what I expected. Like the first time I listened to it, I was like, I'm going to give this a six. Travis is going to give it a five. We're going to be bing, bang, boom, you know, <laughs> but I did, I did really spend some time with it because, because I was curious, right? I like, this yeah. is, this is one of those albums that has sort of hung over me and been like, oh man, you've never listened to that. Right. And, uh, yeah. and so I listened yeah. to it and I was like, why do people, what, what am I missing? Mm. Right. When did this come out? This 2003. was, uh, 2003. Yeah. Okay. So it's 20 years so old this year. I might have to find a song that is about, or a movie that's about 20 years old for our next, uh, very special episode. Um, but, all right. Uh, let's talk about the movie that we yeah, did watch. Yeah, let's do it. Tell me what you made me watch. <laughs> all right, so I made you watch The Revenant, starring uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and also um, a couple of other interesting people that this had in it. It had um, uh, Tom Hardy, who is very, I mean, he's well known for being eclectic in his roles and very kind of, he feels like a like a stereotypical method actor, but I don't even, I don't know if he is method or not. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson is in it, who is uh, British, uh, but he was playing a um, American, um, I guess, military person. Uh, Will Poulter is a young man, and he, I only recognized him because he was in um, the Game of Thrones series. He was one of the people that took Bran, helped take Bran to the, uh, to the, to the, over the wall. And, uh, did you ever watch Game of Thrones? Uh, first season or two, but not really. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine. It ended badly, so I won't. I won't hold that against you. Um, anyway, so but it was directed by a uh, a guy by the name of Alejandro Iñárritu, who uh, won the Best Director award for this one. And I'm not sure, but I think this movie might have broken him because he has not directed anything since. This was a 2015 movie, and he has not done... Uh, I mean, he did a series of well-known movies before this. Uh, he directed Birdman. I don't know if you remembered that one. Um, but uh, he has not done anything well since, I, as far as I the was, feature film. I mean, I was looking at his uh, Wikipedia as part of my prep for this, and... Uh, so a couple of things. One, his uh, debut movie was Amores Peros, which I actually saw in the theater because this is back when I was watching movies really regularly. Mm. Uh, amazing, amazing film. I never want to see it again. It's brutal. Mm. It's a hard watch. Um, but it's mm-hmm. good, right? Uh, and so I was like, oh, this is the Amores Peros guy. But if you look at his, you know, I think he's got, what, six films between 2003 and 2015? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, he also did Babel, which was yeah. a big uh, a critical uh, favorite yeah. back in 2006, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then Birdman, which was also very, uh, very well-received. And I liked Birdman, too. Yeah. Um, so this came out, this movie came out in 2015. It uh, was, I don't know, got a lot of attention. And I think... For me, we talked a little bit about last uh, last week about how uh, I don't like Jack Black, but I end up liking everything that he does. Um, and I kind of have the same thing about Leonardo DiCaprio. Really? And I'm not sure if it's I'm not sure if it's him or if it's his. He always does a lot of acting in movies. Yeah. Um, he likes to he likes to act. He likes to push himself and really challenge himself. In you know Tom Hardy does too, and. Um, and so I feel like watching his movies feels 
like it's a little bit of work. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Um, and uh, and I haven't liked a couple. Like I really didn't like Wolf of Wall Street, and that got a lot of positive attention. I didn't like. Um, uh, once upon a time in hollywood and that got a lot of positive attention and so i think i let this movie slip under the radar and just kind of like nah, i'll watch it someday and um which is one of the reasons i wanted to revisit it in this particular context because this this seemed a perfect thing for something that was well known everybody seemed to like it happy to help travis happy to help yeah oh great thanks thanks so tell us what you thought so, since i had to go first on okay. the music yeah, so it's okay. Uh, in short, it's a revenge story, and I don't really know if I love it. And um, there are a couple things that I specifically don't like, and it, it had to do with the cinematography. They use a oh, um, a wide-angle lens. Yes, the close-ups They use the a wide-angle lens. lens for the majority of this. And um, a couple of the things that they do, it, it so it makes... The human eye is closest to about a 50 to 55 millimeter lens if you're ever doing photography. And so if you want to match what you're seeing, it's the reason you're, when you take a picture on your phone, which has a wide angle lens, everything looks so different than what you actually see. It's hard to capture what you see in real life unless you use like a 3x zoom on your phone. That's about a lens that will approximate what you're seeing with your eye. This movie uses what i'm guessing is probably a 35 millimeter lens the whole time which just makes everything a bit too wide and not look real and what's more is they use it to get super close to people so close at times that their breath fogs the lens yes and and immediately you're taken out of the movie yes. because no longer is it a story of someone who is alone in the wilderness. It's someone who is alone in a wilderness with a camera crew. Yeah. And Don't get me started um, I, I on the know. last scene, on the fight scene where the blood is splashing on the camera. Yeah, the, and the blood splashes on the camera. And they did that thing, which is a common thing for like action movies. Like I think Saving Private Ryan did it, but... It worked there in a way that it doesn't work here. And I, I am kind of flabbergasted by the decision to do that um, and use those shots. Yeah, I, like, I am 100% on board with you here. Um, so not to cut in, but... <laughs> yes, please, take over. Uh, well, so here's the thing about this movie. This is... If you made a list of things that I don't particularly want to see, there are a ton of things in this movie that are on that list. I don't love handheld camera. Like, it just, you know, I, it's supposed to make you feel like you're part of the action or something, but it just mm-hmm, makes mm-hmm. me feel like they, <laughs> that they didn't try very hard, you know? <laughs> like... And yes, the the cinematography with the extreme close-ups with the wide-angle lens are jarring and weird sometimes. I mean, is it very impressive that you're doing these, like, long takes where there's 360 degrees of motion and it's clearly just Leonardo DiCaprio and a cameraman, like, swirling around? Absolutely. Like, technically, very impressive. But, like, I feel like I'm going to puke. And I don't feel hmm. like it's helping tell the story. I feel it almost feels like Inuritu showing off, 
you know, yes. like, look what I can do rather than yeah, like serving yeah. the story, which is the story is like old, right? It's like a 200 year old story. Like I was, you know, Amy was talking, I was talking to my wife about this and she had heard a podcast about, because this is a real person. This is a, these are real oh. events. Yeah. Uh, oh. She had heard a podcast about this guy uh, back in the day. And so we were able to look up some facts about it and like feels like a weird choice to sort of fight club the movie, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. everything is extremely visceral, like, man, people's hand gets chopped off and it gets chopped off right there on the camera. There's no smash cut away. There's no there's nothing it's so visceral. Like, like here's mm-hmm. the thing. There, I can absolutely see why people love this movie because there is, like, it's very immediate. It's very visceral. It's extremely brutal. It's extremely violent. Um, you know, and some people really dig on that. That is not my jam at all. <laughs> yeah. I will say that some of that, in, in the service of putting us in that world is interesting like to say okay the early 1800s in american west were a brutal place to be alive and it was hard to make life work and you know all that okay great but then mixed with this 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 style of filmmaking that takes you completely out of that being real um but and to your point of it like showing off I, I felt like everybody involved was kind of showing off. Like Tom Hardy and Leonardo DiCaprio were just acting their asses off on this uh, on this movie, and it, it, I believed them. Like I don't, I, I none of it was unbelievable to me, but just it was all it all felt just a little too much for yeah. my taste. Yeah. Um, gosh, I I'm trying to to like gather my thoughts about this in a way that doesn't sound like me whining. Right. But because Mm -hmm. like I can appreciate this movie as an achievement while simultaneously hating it. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And I didn't hate it. I will say that I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit higher than you are uh, and I'm ragging on it for sure. But yeah, um, I like, I, I did not love uh, Leo's performance in this. You know, it was it was fine. Mm -hmm. Right. It's very like, yeah, I'm stoic staring into the middle distance. I know things I've experienced things you can tell by staring into. I'm eating a raw fish and I'm probably doing it for. Oh, my God. The raw fish scene. Yeah. Let's talk about the on a list of things that I don't need to see. I don't need to see Leonardo DiCaprio catch a fish with his bare hands and eat it live on screen. Like, that's not it's just not a thing that I need to see. Like, I -hmm. understand that that this situation is difficult. Right. And and good for him (laughs) for finding a source of food. Right. Like he's what about the (laughs) he's a clever he's a clever dude who knows how to survive in the wild. Right. He's a survivalist. Mm I I didn't need that scene to know. I mean, that's not the scene that really I mean, the scene that got me was the uh, Empire Strikes Back uh, Hoth uh, recreation uh, with the Tauntaun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and there was a moment there where I was like, are they going to really do this? Like, they're just going to straight up steal Empire Strikes Back. Like, they're not even going to they're not even going to. No, it was exact. I mean, the, the with the. 
with the knife going across and the innards spilling out and everything. Like it was the exact same scene. I was like, am I supposed to laugh at this? Like, I felt like I was supposed to like, like, look at you referencing this 1977 or 1980, like science fiction film. Like what a weird choice that was like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that there wasn't like as, as gory as they were, were for the rest of the, was there, it seems like there was a lack of blood in that scene. Yeah. Considering how gory they were in the rest of the uh, episode. I just like I don't I don't know what I learned from like He sleeps inside a horse. For those of you who haven't seen he the movie, sleeps inside of a, a horse. horse dies and it's cold out. Well let's be honest. He, has to... he rides a horse off a cliff. Like he kills he the horse. He rides this horse off a cliff. Okay. Yes. Yes. Like unintentionally, he's he's fleeing for his life. He, sure. He's fleeing for his life. But here's the thing. Why is this? This is a two and a half plus hour movie. Like, just Mm -hmm. the horse goes, you see the knife, you see the horse. Like, this does not need to be a three minute long scene where you watch him, like, cut the horse. Sure, we could have just seen him wake up inside the horse. Yeah, and then slide inside the horse. And then. And then you get the reverse scene. Then you see him like chipping his way out of the icy horse. Like, yeah, that would have been so, interesting. Sure, it's so egregious, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with you. And I'm, I'm normally not squeamish about stuff like that, but um, I, uh, yeah. So uh, the other thing that got me a little bit wrong on this was that I think that um, they didn't have a, a sense of time, and so. I've broken bones. I broke. I've broken ribs. I've broken uh, a, a, a wrist. And the the way he broke his ankle, yeah, is not something you would be walking normally. You know what on that is within. It's the misery break. What? That's the that's the misery yeah, break for sure. Right. And uh, and there's there's a scene. I want to say two thirds of the way through the movie. In fact, just before the horse off the cliff scene, he is sleeping and he gets beset on by the Indians and he sprints yeah. to the horse, maybe only five, six steps, yeah. but it's a full on yeah, run. He's not and hobbling. He gets there. Dis- he's not hobbling. Yeah. So anyway, stuff like that. It just seemed unreal to me. And, um, let's, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta rate this movie. Um, Oh man. Okay. So I definitely, um, here's the thing. I uh-huh. personally <laughs> give this movie a three. Right. Okay. But I understand what an achievement this is, and yep. and that this movie is not for me. Like this is not my bag. On okay, that, good. Front, I'm kind of glad to hear that because I, I, yeah, I, okay, good. And on that front, I would give it a seven. I would say this is a huh. this is a really solid, you know, well done movie that just made some choices that I wouldn't make and told the story in a way. Told the story well, but in a way that I wouldn't tell it, right? So, okay. so I would average those together, and my rating is a five. Then that's that's my final okay. rating. I took inspiration from you Ooh. actually on that, uh, because yeah. because of you your know, Godspeed thing last week. Yeah. Well, what's funny is I think uh, I think I'm going to uh, well going to do another first for the podcast. Uh, not th- I- I'm going to rate it a five as well. Oh wow! Which is really? the first episode where I've rated the music and the movie the same, and because the same thing, I I it, it's I see where it's fine. I didn't love I didn't love 
really anything about it. I I I, I was a little I was a little upset that Donald Gleason you know got to play an American. What can you not find? And and why were you not why are you not angry about British people playing uh, <laughs> playing Americans? I thought that that would be one of your things. And um, like classic Americans, right? Um, and. You know they have this Brit playing him, and I love Donald Gleason. I think he's I think he's handsome and, and a very good actor. Um, but uh, I I didn't need to see him in this. I would have rather seen you know me um, <laughs> or someone like me. Anyway, this movie was a success, by the way. It uh, the budget was 135 million, and uh, and I guess I can see it. Uh, they did, I think, try to do very good work uh, with representing um, Indian tribes and accurately and uh, that kind of thing. Uh, I started watching a documentary on it and couldn't get through it. So, um, uh, but it made three five hundred and thirty three million dollars in the box office, Ooh. so it made a profit. Wow! Yeah, and of course, you know, it's Academy Award. It, it was, I think, it was notable for having the director win the Oscar, but not winning the Oscar itself. Oh yeah, that's so that's, that's kind unusual. of unusual. Yeah, so uh, a five for me as well. Fives from both of us, not, uh, same ratings for the movie and uh, for me, same ratings for movie and song. That's in, or, uh, an album. Well, what do you got for us next week? So you are familiar with very popular 80s and 90s band R.E.M., right? Oh, yes, yeah. of course. Shiny uh, Happy People and It's the End of the World people, as We yeah. Know It and yep. Yep, Everybody yep, yep. Hurts, all that good stuff. But so R.E.M., signed a contract with Warner Brothers for $100 million mm-hmm. for five albums. And every single one of those albums did not do particularly well. But the first one of those albums was called New Adventures in Hi-Fi. And it is, I think, R.E.M.'s best album. So oh, wow. I, I am going to have you listen to New Adventures in Hi-Fi by R.E.M. Wow. Okay. And when does this album? Uh, uh, when I, did it come out? I want to say ninety-eight, somewhere in the late nineties. Oh wow. Okay. All right. Interesting. Yep. I've already. Uh, and we're gonna have to. Oh, go ahead. No, no. You said what? I've what? already dropped the link for you in the uh, in the podcast chat. Uh, Nineteen ninety-six is when it came out. Surely you've seen Fight Club, right? I have. Did you see Inception? No. Interesting. Oh, okay. This is related. Okay, great. Uh, okay. Well, I do have an interesting um, related movie that I want to give you. It's related because it does star Leonardo DiCaprio and is maybe one of the last movies that I've actually liked him in. And uh, this is a movie that is also very well uh, received, a completely different director uh this is uh this is a director that you know it's christopher nolan oh and it's not Mm. a movie it's not a director that you love because you didn't like you didn't like um uh the prestige but i'm going to have you watch and tell me what you think of inception this is is the dark knight guy too right this is the Dark Knight guy, yeah. yes. Oh, man. And so the thing that is, the thing that's interesting about the about Inception is that it is, and the reason I want you to watch it is because it is a cultural touchstone. This is a movie that is referenced in so many things. The idea of uh, of a of a movie within a movie within a movie, you know, is uh, is something that is um, you'll see a lot. And so it's got a great cast. Uh, again, Tom Hardy is also in this. 
And so the pair of them together is going to contrast with what we've just experienced with the Revenant. And I want you to put the Revenant behind you. Just I empty it from your brain. I would also like to put the Revenant behind me. Yeah. Yes, I do like Inception, and I'll tell you that ahead of time. So it's something that is possible to enjoy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I also like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who uh, I love in just about everything. So yeah. um, are you, do you see a lot, have you seen a lot of his movies? Uh, 500 Days of Summer. Is that it? Have you seen Brick or, uh, no. or uh, Looper? No. Oh, man, we're going to have some fun. Okay, I'm going to set up, set up a list. Because I was worried about not having movies to make you watch without being able to have you watch a superhero movie and so uh <laughs> i think that this is going to be a a good a good way to kind of like get in here with a new flow all right so yeah inception okay inception <laughs> it is Whew. wow travis well thank you for exposing yourself to me this week thank you for exposing yourself to me on this very special episode all right cool have a good one see you all next yeah, time talk to you next week yep bye-bye, bye-bye. <laughs>